What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of The Illustrious Own Podcast. It's your host, Mario, back with another banger. Uh, we're back home. Honestly, I want to thank you guys for all the encouragement, kind words, uh, everybody that called me along the way. I made it out of Utah. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was. Honestly, I'll talk a lot about it here. And we have a special guest on the show. I'm just here to catch up with renowned local <laughs> author, world traveler, inspirational speaker. I don't even know how to intro. <laughs> uh, I appreciate it, man. Um, so my name is Edward Freeman. I am a fifth-year bio and Spanish major here at Georgia Tech. I'm an author, serial entrepreneur, um, as well as motivational speaker. And thanks for having me today, man. I'm excited to be here. No problem. The pleasure is mine. I've heard a lot of people talk about this. They wanted you on the podcast. <laughs> Many people have told me on several occasions, like, we're waiting for this one. This is the one we've waited for the longest. And, hey, man. Let's just start off with the book. Let's just start off with the book. Because as a self-help connoisseur like myself, I sit there on YouTube listening to Jordan Peterson. And, well, not just him. You know, you got him. You might have Kevin. This is my Mount Rushmore. We'll talk about that. We might. We might. Uh, who else am I really into? More finance guys. Like a guy called Patrick Bed David. These are my people that at least in my college years, helped me find my foundation. What I was really, one, find out my interests, but two, also give myself some discipline or recognize the discipline that I had, that I had, that was given to me from my parents. Uh, let me just bring up the question. Because... Well, I like what you said, though. College made you um, continue your discipline that you had from your parents. Really, college is a test. It's kind of like everything that you're taught is put to test the moment you step on campus freshman year. Like when your parents are gone, they leave, pack up the room. Everything gets taught. It's either it's put to test. It's put to test. Uh, I just find it funny how out being in Utah – it made me realize that this is, a, even though we feel like adults and we're given many responsibilities that are like those of real adults, we're still not adults. We have at least the level of responsibility and the the level of experience that you get is much greater, much more in detail. For, I can say a lot for men and for women. One of the biggest things I noticed is that Growing or school, we didn't ever realize how good we had it with companionship and social life in school until we're not in school. Bro, <laughs> listen, this is the place where you can see your friends all in one place. And it's like when you go, I think this summer working in Cali, you know, you worked in Utah, that's so far away from Georgia. No one, you don't know anyone out there. You don't have a point of reference. So it's like when you're not in school, it's just kind of like, okay, it's just me. I have my own back, but it's a different place that causes you to shift your mindset a little bit and it forces you to grow up, like, a lot. Mm hmm Yeah. And it's funny 
that you bring that up. Because, how can I say it? It showed me how, at least that loneliness, what you're, you have an ample amount of time. Because being a student at Tech, I don't, I don't know where all this free time comes from. Like, I'm getting back into the gear of it now. And, like, the past two semesters, even though that was hard work, that still wasn't in comparison to having a 100%, like, in-person, regularly, fully operational Georgia Tech semester. <laughs> and I'm not not saying that to, you know, slouch on anybody else's school, because I know it's just it's the same amount. Right. Going back to school and walking through campus and going to class and paying attention in class is a whole different feeling. It's humbling. Like, it's, we literally have to put ourselves back on schedule. You know how growing up, you, your parents made you go back to practice, going back to sleep and getting back in the routine for school. Yeah. Coming back on campus, it's like, we did this for so many years, but now it's, it's new to us because it's, we're dealing with it in the pandemic. So that adjustment coming back to campus, it's been... It's been interesting these past three, week, three weeks, I say. How's like, yours been? Honestly, man, I haven't gotten, I don't feel like I'm in classes for real. I just feel like I'm just here, like, passing time. Really? Yeah, I, I really <laughs> don't feel, it's like I'm taking notes, but am I paying attention? Not not as much, bro. Like, I'm more concerned about, um, really, I'm more concerned about just, like, getting behind. I need to get in the groove of things, but it's like, with being back in person, it's an adjustment, getting back going to class, traveling to classes. I even forgot where some of the buildings are. I've been here for three Which years. Um, I forgot where the MRDC was. Okay. Like, first Damn, week shade. of class, I got lost. Like, yeah, I mean, oh, yeah, you are. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's your major, so. Well, we love you. <laughs> we still there. What about you? How's it been adjusting back? Adjusting back, I've been, on mine, it's been the opposite. Mm-hmm. So I've been trying to stay on top of it as much as I can. But the rigor of the classes now are at a point where it's like, hey, I actually don't understand much of this at all. But now I'm, one thing I picked up out there in my internship was different study habits. And now I'm putting it up. So I've gotten to retain a lot more information and actually feel like I have a chance. But we're only in the homework phase. We haven't reached midterm phase. We haven't reached, you know, crunch time as we know it. So... But I mean, with habit forming, habit forming, you get in the flow. It takes twenty one days to form a habit. So, like, honestly, you're reminding me I need to get back on my stuff because it takes twenty one days. I'm just trying to try up. something new. Because yeah. you made a point earlier that, like, you know, back when you were home and when I was home, like, we had our routine. We had, you know, you get from home or you get from school. You know, you got to do work at a certain time. You might have time for extracurriculars, whatnot, some free time for yourself. Like, what was yours like? Because I, I grew up with strict parents. So, like, as soon oh. as I got home, and at some point, I was like, what? Yeah, I never lived too far from school, so. I grew up with strict parents. Um, I would say um, parents are educators, so <laughs> they did not play the radio with me in school. So everything had to be, I wouldn't say perfect, but I knew what was expected out of me. So I took the steps to do what needs to be done. And honestly, coming to college, that... That stays with me, taking the steps that do what needs to be done. Like, um, a lot of times, I feel like a lot of times we complain about the workload and the things, but we know we have to do it eventually, so we just need to do what needs to be done. I mean, the less we complain, the more easier it is to get to do the work and putting 
forth the work you would get. Listen, hard work always pays off. So that's the lesson that was taught growing up. You know, you put in the work, it's always going to pay off. But strict parents, you know, I kind of have that discipline now. Yeah. But with senioritis kicking in, um, we got we to gotta pull it together. I know how you feel on that. I know you ain't really good point there. Our work, I grew up on that mentality. And I feel I bash my, or I don't bash myself, but I have internal conflicts with myself about it because being, I aspire to be at least at some point in my life in managerial role. And a big part of that is not only being a leader, but one part of being a leader is being a teacher. Mm. And growing up in that environment and learning that one way, I might be able to teach my parents or like my aunt, relatives, people in that generation right. how to do something. But I've never, because I was a tennis coach uh, in my high school years. That's right. And then I was a challenge counselor mm-hmm. my going into my sophomore year. Wow. So it, I saw there was a lot of disconnect trying to help people of my age or younger with certain tasks when you have that like that method of learning. Right. I definitely have, oh go ahead. I yeah, I was just saying, saying, have you had any experience with it? Um yes, I definitely had experience. Um I was an RA for two years with freshmen. So relating to method of learning, I think each generation, each year, each class, whether it be in school, um, there's something to learn from everybody. Old people can learn from young people. Um, and young people can learn from old people, vice versa. I think learning should be interchangeable between generations. But one thing I will say, there is a disconnect between learning. So with going into like, you want to be in a manager managerial position. Um, personally, I want to like go into entrepreneurship more. Um, the disconnect is through our learning methods. We're more digital generation. But when you go to the older generation, they may do things more written, more... It's a disconnect there, but they're different disconnects. But we all need to find the common ground. And all of us have commonalities throughout each generation. So it could be it could be little things. But in order to learn and put communication between each generation, we got to find our common ground to push it on. Yeah. I understand. Trace through that sentence, because I, <laughs> I picked up one note. That you were talking about, and it reminded me of your book. Um, is that there's different forms of communication, and there's different roadblocks. Like everybody, like my English, the in layman terms, my English is not your English, and that's I guess if anybody was looking for something unique about themselves. Know that you don't understand something the same way that another person does. No one person understands it. That's called perspective. But anyways, uh, no, you, you that, was, <laughs> that was real. That's called perspective. No, everyone yeah. has different perspectives, man. Like that was that's a good. But point. when you when you're actually trying to get a point across or like teach a lesson, you have to overcome those barriers. Right, all of them. Like let's say you're a teacher. Or you're, for you, you speak. When you're in a big crowd, you have to speak too all those people at least to the best of your ability to the best of my ability and i think the biggest thing is realizing that when i speak not everyone will receive what i have to say so um with alongside barriers you talked about there are barriers with learning um with alongside barriers 
there's mental barriers. So it's like you have fear, you have anxiety, you have different things that you have to get through in order to learn or in, in order to produce something. Um, and it's not easy. It's definitely not easy. And I would say this, um, getting over the mental barriers, but also like there could be personal barriers. Life happens. There's different things that happens, um, happens to us, but getting over those will make us stronger because especially being here at tech, going through tech, I mean, we're both in our fourth senior, senior years. Uh, we've, we've seen some barriers, plenty of barriers. So we've been humbled multiple. Oh Lord. I can't even count how many times I've been humble here, but you have to get through those barriers. today. Oh, hey <laughs> man, I felt so? I felt the homework. Okay, same, same. <laughs> no, like, I got the grade back. I submitted it on edX, and I was like, "Oh, I did good." And it was like fifty-five, and I said, "Man, I did two questions out of like two, one and a half out of three. I was like, you know, we'll, we'll just learn how to do better. At this point, I can't even sit there and be like, "I'm gonna fail." Like, we got to get through this one way or another. But that's real. You said we're going to learn how to do better. Yeah. Um, when you know better, you do better. Yeah. So it's like with learning, if you know better, you do better. We can't, we can't, um, to go back and emphasize on what you were talking about habits, you have this habit. We all have certain habits that get us to where we need to do or we're able to perform certain actions. When you know better, you do better. Okay. So it's like, same here. I, I'm going to have to retrace my steps. And I'm like, all right, I can't keep taking L's like this. Because then I'm not going to graduate in December. <laughs> we have plenty more else to take, man. That's you true. talking about habits. I have something that I need to defeat. Like, being a narcolept these past two weeks. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, my bedtime's been 7, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. every day. Like, past two weeks. Oh, and I know wow. it's, it can't be jet lag. It can't be jet lag. I was only two hours behind. I feel... No, it could be though, cause you you were on mountain time, right? Yeah. No, it, my body still's not really adjusted to um, East Coast. I've been back for about three weeks. It's still, yeah, I'm still having a hard time. I get up at like five a.m. I get up at random times at night. Like, yeah, same here. Where when but, I got there, I was waking up early. I was <laughs> I was there at the crack of dawn. Like, what's up? I was yeah, up productive, but honestly, in those hours when you're up. I think that's the best time to hear your voice, connect with yourself in journal, just because if you're up at night, your brain's probably racing or you could be watching Netflix like me. But most times, like my brain is racing. So I got to journal what's on my mind. And that's when I'm most creative is when I'm up in the middle of the night, just, I don't know, just up randomly. I'm the most creative at that time. That's when I'm really to check, really able to check in with myself and be like, are you good mentally? You good spiritually? You good physically? Okay, maybe you need to go drink some water. Those are little things that I just do if I'm up at that time, like journaling, keeping a mental note of just how I am. But um, yeah, that was side side note. But yeah, yeah. So where'd you intern at specifically? Oh well, I interned at um, Bayer Pharmaceuticals um, in Berkeley, California, and I worked as a process wait. Biologics upstream development um, intern. So I pretty much grew cell cultures for um, different treatments, tested um, different cultures and grew them all during the summer. And that was the gist of my project. So I was in that lab. Like I worked three day weekends. I was, yeah, I was hustling, but I'm glad I got that lab experience. Was that um, as intensive research as you did here? 
I would say because it was for a company um, and it's a global company. So we have like a global, I guess it's a global different. Everyone's connected globally. So the company is based in Germany. I would say it was more intense. Like I felt the pressure of the deadlines, like stuff had to get done. So there was one time where I worked 17 days straight because that was, that bro. And All right, go thinking, into this one right here. <laughs> All right, let me tell y'all. So sales are like kids. You got to check on them every day. So with my projects, I had to go. I did um, one big project, but too many projects within it. So pretty much I had to go every day, test my cultures, make sure their chemicals were, everything was in there um, and check on that and track it. And that took hours sometimes. So I would go Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then go full week. So I worked 17 days straight because I would start on Wednesday and go to the next Wednesday. You're talking about, I was tired. And on top of that, I did summer classes. So um, in the midst you of You got that, a death wish. <sighs> I tried it. I tried it. I tried to stab myself. <laughs> but I got to the second week, couldn't even make it. I don't know what I was on or what I was thinking. Like, there would be times so I'll just look at the te- I would look at my um, laptop and I'm just like, why am I here? But we thank God because I made it. Um, but all I'm saying is, don't overdo it, guys. Like, if you listen to this, know your limits. Yeah. <laughs> Please. Yeah, yeah. The pursuit of learning may be enticing, but you can overfull yourself. Enjoy your summer. Like, go go stack your money you're working. Enjoy your summer. Don't be bound to classes and school because one thing about it, if you don't take a mental break, you're going to crash. You're going to crash hard. Like, it's not, it's not a cute place to be. I guess so burnt out that you can't continue in the fall. So I would say, honestly, take it from me. Don't do that again. Don't ever like interning in summer classes. If you have to do it, I mean, do it. But if you can, if you can finesse somehow and not have to take a summer class or three classes over the summer, don't do it. Y'all. How many did you take? I took two. So for my Spanish major, I took my Spanish capstone and I took another Spanish elective. So it was Spanish, but for my capstone, it was so intensive because I had to do live translations and watch different videos. So, um, but yeah, that's pretty much the gist of my summer. What did you do, bro? What What did you do over summer? Man, so went out there to Utah, got there. I thought it was just going to be like old Western saloons, yeah. horses, you know, cowboys, whatnot. Nah, regular, regular, regular suburb, uh, major city, but I think it looks like a suburb compared to here. I don't know if, well, as far as density, not as dense at all, but I think the city itself is overshadowed by how big those mountains are. I keep on talking about them, but like, <laughs> hey, but you have you. It, it was surreal. It was surreal, bro. So did that. Went to work. Was doing, you know, best way I could explain it is some Mission Impossible shit. Yes, sir. And Holy man, you, that's what they make you want to think. But like, Mission Impossible on the corporate level. So, you yeah. know, white collar desk job, passing paperwork along. Learned a lot, though. And I was going to ask you what you, you learned being out there. But we could segue into that because while I was out there, went to a lot of parks. Uh, Met a lot of cool people around the states. It was nice to make a, connections with people around the states. Never really got. I guess I never really understood. Like I had the chance to do that. Like I did. Well, it's the opportunities here. I just mm-hmm. never took. 
much of a chance on it or really thought about it until everybody's from a different state. And, like, it's not just, like, really densely packed with Georgians. Right. And then, you know, a few out-of-state people here and there internationally. So then that really all came to terms when I went out to the Bay for, like, one of my first three or four-day weekends out there. So I was out by... You in the Bay, okay. Yeah. That's what's up. The Bay. And, like, being from New York, I was already used to that really big city life. Hold on. What part of New York you from? Bronx. Bronx, okay. Yeah. Uh, but there, apparently people say it's supposed to be like the West Coast, New York City. Nah, I don't know. Not really. Um, Bro, I, I can't compare family. it. One, I can't compare it to anything at all in the East Coast. It's the West Coast different. is just a different vibe entirely. It was different. It's not New York. I got family. Um, I have family in the Bronx, and I think I have some in Queens. But um, it's just, it's not a Boston. It wasn't a Philly. San Francisco was just different. Like the energy, just everything, everything about it was different. I and I can't say that I like it or I don't. Okay, if anyone's from the Bay, no offense, but I don't know if I like it enough to live there. Um, because I was in the culture shock. The first month was hard for me. Like I was like, oh my gosh, like being in Georgia, being in Atlanta so specific, I'm used to seeing people that look like me everywhere. I'm used to like Atlanta's black Hollywood, so I'm used to everything. Just knowing the city, knowing where people are from, what side of town they're from. But when I got to the Bay, it was like, people were like, where are you from? They could tell I wasn't from there. Um, And then going to Oakland, going to Oakland, going to San Francisco and living in Berkeley, staying on Berkeley's campus, it really opened my eyes. Like, wow, I had to interact with different type of people outside of me, outside of where I'm from. And I like what you said. Um you were able to meet different people from out of state. And I think with working out of state jobs, that's why I'm glad I went so far. It's good because you're able to open your eyes to different cultures and different people. You get to learn people. Um, Because honestly, if you stay in one region long enough, you learn that region. But when you travel outside of that region, meet different people, you get to pick up on lingo. You get to learn different things. Like you learn different stuff from different people. So that's what I took away from the Bay. I learned a lot about Asian culture, um, Filipino Filipino culture, um, Hispanic culture. I did a lot of just sightseeing, even like going to Juneteenth in Oakland, you know, home of Black Panthers. That was like that was like Atlanta on I don't know Oakland maybe like a West Coast Atlanta, but it was like Atlanta on. 10. It was fine until they started shooting. But that's another story. Hey, man, that's Oakland for you. Yeah, that's Oakland. I mean, that's what I had to learn. That was the fun. It wasn't fun, but you know what I mean, y'all. <laughs> you know, good rat shit with your friends and whatnot. But I will tell you, out there in the Bay, you ever went to, what is it? What do they call it? Little Tokyo? or Little Japan or Japan? Yeah. I Man. felt like I was out there in Asia. It's, <laughs> it's so different. Like, you just see signs in Japanese. Yeah, signs. all the stores. Every bro, even the scenery they had the cherry blossoms. I was like, yo, what? it's so different. Like, um, they go hard. Like one of my coworkers, um, her one of her parents is from Hong Kong, so she spoke fluent Cantonese. So we were hopping through Chinatown with her. She was ordering all these different foods, and it was just fun to get that experience because I didn't know what I didn't know Cantonese and Mandarin was different until so she explained the differences. And I was like, wow, there's a whole world out there of different people that really opened my eyes to see more. So it's all about doing, taking eye-opening experiences and trying new things. Yeah. 
that was a lot older was like in Utah as well. I could say the West Coast, at least my hypothesis, Mario's hypothesis of the West Coast. If Mario had a map, cut the US in half. East Coast, I think, was the prototype. But, you know, as we've learned, being STEM majors, everything's iterative and you have to work with what you got, especially in the corporate world. So we tried it. We finally got a country, made it work. Civil War, all hell raises loose. Right. We get it back together. We're in shambles. But then we figured out there's more of this. So then we sent Lewis and Clark and them to go out there and discover all of it. And they were like, yo, this is what we really came for because it's, it's more nature. Like here, it's beautiful. There's trees, nature, mountains, rivers, all that. But out there, it's like you literally see earth, rock formations, like... I can't even explain it. It's so beautiful just to yeah. wake up and see the mountains, see. Yeah. It's just like the scenery. You wake up and see that. And also the air. The air was just more fresh. Like, whoa. You don't. I don't think. No. That air was hitting me like somebody like holding you down with a magnifying glass. Oh. And holding it over the sun. Yeah. That's what it felt like. It I was felt dry. Like I, it was, it was dry, super dry. I felt like I was getting cancer. It didn't rain in the bay. Like it was cold, but it what, what made me what was a culture shock for me. How cold it was. I would get up and go catch my city bus to work. And um, it'd be like 50 degrees. I was wearing sweaters and hoodies. To yeah. Work. You got, you have those micro climates. It stays the same way every day. Yeah. Like, so it was like, I'm going to need a jacket here, a jacket there. I had to go shopping for jackets because I was thinking, ooh, Cali, flip-flops. You know, I could wear different things. Oh, that's NorCal for you. I, and yeah. I was humble so quick. They be out there. In the, I went out to the beach there. First off, I'm oh, sorry. I say, I say it all the time on the, on the pod, but Cali's getting rocked by earthquakes. Mark my words. I can't be there to see it. Bro, you I was, see the beach? I had earthquake. Dog. This is, all right, y'all, this is so bad. Exclusive. Let me tell y'all. All right. <laughs> so I experienced three earthquakes in Cali. And yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so, all right. So the first time, like, I was um sleeping in my bed. And, you know, I was just like, I was just like, well, I'm going to get to sleep. I felt a little rumble. So, you know, I was just like, I'm going to catch a few more minutes of sleep. And it must have been a little aftershock. And I said, that's an earthquake. So I was calling my folks, and I was like, yeah, there was just like an earthquake. I checked. It was like a 4.5 or something. She's like, you didn't get up? California's dangerous. Like, you could have been. <laughs> your room could have collapsed. I just went back to sleep, y'all. Like, honestly. Second time. All right, this is bad, y'all. But um, I was, you know, how you at work, and you on your phone. So there's a little spot where I would just, like, scroll through the gram, hiding. And I was just in the cut a little bit, just minding my business. You know, hiding from um, hiding from my coworkers just for a quick minute to take a break because corporate America is so. Honestly, I don't know if I like or dislike corporate America, but you know how it is, bro. So I was hiding it in the cut, um, and I just felt the ground shaking. So I saw the little test tubes in the lab shaking, and I'm just looking, and it said a 5.5. Then the third earthquake, I was walking up the stairs, um, and I felt like a trembler. So, but that was a less earthquake. But yeah, Cali has those earthquakes. Nah, bro, my knees was weak there. I was like, I was like, Lord, it's not my time. Like every time I felt that ground shake, and honestly, I've never felt an earthquake until like then. It was just like, what? Yeah, I'll start crying. I promise you. <laughs> and 
it just happens like randomly. Like I was, I was asleep. I just felt everything start shaking. I was like, I know you're lying. Nah, couldn't, couldn't, couldn't live out there. Yeah. My friend that I went out there to go visit, he was telling me uh, it happened in his apartment. He just started holding on to the like building. He's like, "Yo, it's good." Yeah. He took me out there to the beach. Uh, what's it called? I don't even know. But it was apparently they have a Central Park in San Francisco. It looked um, it looked ocean, exotic. Ocean Beach. Yeah. On the other side of Central Park. Yeah. Central. Okay, yeah. I know what you're talking about, bro. Yeah. yeah. Central Park looked like Africa. Did you see the buffaloes? I didn't see them. They were like, it's a bunch of animals and... It looked exotic in there. It was nice, though. All the families. Like, all that tax money. Yeah, you know. They got all those that, tech companies. The buku dollars out there. Man, I was paying like $4 for water, like a simple water bottle. When they were like, I was like, how much is what at the convenience store, 7-Eleven? They were like, uh, $3.55. I was like, what? You ever contemplated a dollar of water or a gallon of gas? Like, gallon of... Like, you ever contemplated either buying water or gas? I've never contemplated that. That's how much it was out there. (laughs) It's, I don't know how people live in California, like, Living there for three months, literally, I don't know. I, I wouldn't, I was in survival mode the whole time because it was like the cost of living was so doggone high. Yeah, bro. Yeah. Paying rent. Like, I was paying rent. I was budgeting because I had to get groceries. I had to pay my fare for the bus. It was just like a lot. And just the cost of living is not good for 20-somethings. Like, if you're just yeah. getting in your career. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the thing. That's why I don't want I know everybody, like, if you're a CS guy, like, even if you are a CS guy, like, a hundred grand ain't going to cut it. No. They're going to cut it in Texas. California did so much in my taxes. Yeah. I was just kind of like, how do y'all expect me to live? Exactly. And, like, it's nice and all, and everything's popping out there. That's where, like, for Atlanta people, that's where everything's going on, so they got to go out there. But, like, it's too expensive for me. It's too expensive. It made me... I think going away from home, going away from Georgia, going away from Atlanta in general, it made me appreciate home more than anything. Like, And everywhere I went, one thing that people in California didn't notice, and this is going back to that point about the upbringing, they noticed the respect factor that I had and how I carried myself. They're like, you're definitely from the South. And I was like, What's, what makes you say that, ma'am? They said that, ma'am, right there. Like one lady, yeah. she was like, I wish my kids were that respectful. So it's like certain things that were imparted in me from a young age, it really brought me a long way in corporate America and different places in the street in Oakland, um, San Francisco, because um, I respected, you know, it's just basic law of respect. You show other people respect, they're going to respect you back. So I was like, I was getting extra donuts in my bag from the little donut shop that I went from because I always say, yes, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. And the lady was always giving me extra donuts. So it's different stuff like that. Um, that you may not think your upbringing is significant, but hey, it does play a part in who you are, and it could definitely make a difference. Um, you know, yeah, yeah, for sure. Speaking of like your interactions out there with people, what did you think? I'm curious about the people out there. You know, it was it was so weird because coming from Georgia, I mean, growing up in South Georgia, I would say like racism is real, especially I experienced that like. Just growing up, um, always being, because South Georgia is the deep South. So you have Confederate flags, you have different things. But it was weird seeing people on the street, like Caucasians, white people, 
waving to me, like riding the buses, waving to me. Hi. And I was just like, what what is this like i felt like i was being set up like it was one of those cameras in the office where they zoom in on my face um but that was a different experience for me um especially being like tall black male walking into certain places in the bay i did experience that culture shock where no one looked like me in the room and everyone would turn around and just stare like they would just look at me and i was just like hello i'm articulate like i'm not gonna rob you guys like if this is what you think, but that was the observation I had that um, the black people, they stay in certain areas like Oakland, Richmond, but it's very sparse in places like Berkeley um, and San Francisco. So that was the culture shock where, that I had for sure. Yeah. What about you? The West Coast, like I said, it's what America was supposed to be on paper. Yeah. That's how I, that's what it made me feel like the people. It's funny you say that because I got the impression that the people in Utah were nice. Nice to a fault. Maybe because a lot has to do with a lot of people being Mormon to, like, majority white state. And there's not that many people. So, like, yeah. it's almost small town vibes. Everybody's pretty comfortable. Everybody. And it's outdoorsy. I went out there. I'd say I was shocked that there wasn't as many black people, being that it was a major city. Dang. And so then, no, no, I'm saying out in the Bay. Oh, yeah, out yeah, in the yeah. Bay. Being that there was that many people, but Salt Lake did not have that many black people either. Wow. But we were we were out there in the unit. Wow. But uh, the people out there gave me fake Democrat vibes. Like okay, that's what I was saying. They were yeah. they were they were undercover Republicans. Like they they would look at you and give you the eye, and I'd be like, it's "No like, way." Liberal. Like I would see in certain establishments, like Black Lives Matter, different things. And I'm like, okay, um, they may be open-minded, but the, I mean, growing up from the South, we know what it feels like. And I was telling one of my coworkers, I was like, I'm not eating here. And she was like, what do you mean? I was like, they haven't served us yet. And we've been here for like 20 minutes. And it's different cues that I pick up on just by growing up in the South, that even though the people had the different tags on, you know, you always had to use that discernment and see through things. Um, and it's just, you see through certain things, but I definitely agree with you, bro. But let me ask you this. How did you navigate through Utah? Like, were there any points where you were ever scared of, that you were just ever scared of being in Utah? Like, why am I here? I don't know. I think, I want to say no. I feel like I have a different way of just, like, living my life. Most people would. My mom would tell me, you should and I'd be like, all right, cool. Like, there's a level of concern for my own safety just being as a human being. Knowing that there's not many people like me in the room doesn't scare me as much, probably because of my upbringing, growing up in mostly private schools and majority white private schools. So being out there, it's still a culture shock. Like, or at least I noticed, I was like, dang, I don't see anybody that's like me out here, but it's all right. But the people were generally nice. It allowed me to at least get uncomfortable. They were curious. A lot of them were just, like, curious because many people don't actually get out of Utah like that. They said that, it, like, it's a pretty, they have their own little ecosystem going there. And seeing the way it looks, like, I wouldn't blame them at all. Uh, but as far as fending for myself, because, like, that's one of the first times I had that feeling, like, yo, I can do whatever. Like, yo, I can 
go step out two o'clock right now. Right. Go get some drinks. Come back. <laughs> Nobody gonna say nothing about me. But uh, I will say, you just have to before you actually go out there in the world, like leaving home. Not saying become an adult, get a job, but like if you want to leave home, one skill you gotta know is how to read people. Discernment, yeah, because if you if you can't if you can't get through that first stage, you don't have to be the most talkative person. You just or like be a social butterfly. Just know how to read people and know like who you could be around, who not to be around. Bro, I met two prisoners while I was out there, just like on the whim. Wait, doing my thing, (laughs) and apparently where I stayed at was like a high crime rate area, and not even like some regular murders and robberies and all. Like we talking. Missing, missing people, Bruh. uh, unsolved murder cases, like people just roll Bruh, up in your house booning. talking, bang. Bruh. And the people are nice. Like the first thing I noticed was how nice they are. They'll say hey to you, like on the trails, doing hiking and whatnot. I was like, because they got the blammer on. Yeah. They will take you out in the instant if you try something. Yeah. <laughs> That's the Wild West for real. And it, it is the Wild West. That's one thing. Um, I think going out to Cali. It really made me realize going through different neighborhoods. So I couldn't find a loctician to save my life in Berkeley. Facts. So I literally had to go to Oakland. I had to go deep, deep in the cut in Oakland to go to a loctician. And I went to another town like um, called Richmond. Um, but pretty much they were like uh, people at work. They were like, what did you do this weekend? I was like, yeah, I went to Oakland and Richmond. They're like, you went where? Yeah. Not knowing that. I, I mean, coming from a majority black city, like I was probably going to be fine. But it was still like when I looked at the crime rates of Oakland and Richmond, I was like, dang, like, um, it really taught me how to read people and one, how to survive. And then that gave me the confidence to go to Costa Rica on a solo trip. Like that was, I did that for a week in August and that was the craziest thing that I've ever, ever done, bro. Cause What's your biggest takeaway from this? Ooh. All right, I'll say this: don't get, don't be afraid to get lost, because you'll find people along the way, and you could apply that to life. Like I think in life, we always have these set plans, set itineraries, and I know for a fact in Costa Rica, I had a set plan, set itinerary, but there was a mishap with one of my buses, and my bus didn't show up on time. Um, so pretty much, they were like, "Yeah, we can't pick you up from till like Wednesday," and I was stranded, so I had to spend the night and call a private taxi. And literally the family that drove me, um, they were the hotel owners. We took the scenic route five hours through the country. And literally that was the best experience getting lost. And I met some Americans along the way. Like, bro, it was it was crazy because I was solo, but I felt like connected to people. You know, it's human nature. It's that beauty of meeting people and reading people. Like you could tell when someone's good. I was like walking. Um, through the airport, you know, making my way to my shuttles, hopping on transfers and everything because I was traveling solo like that. That junk was crazy. I'm going to be real with y'all. It was scary, but there I was like, okay, this person's a shyster. Like, here they go. <laughs> but I landed, it was already hot as hell, like coming down. It was like a hundred, it was like 96 degrees, humid. And they were like, senor, senor, um, then it was dead on taxi. And I was like, no, it's no sorry about me. Like, I was just like, no, like, leave me alone. Like, they have me, swear to me, like leave me alone. And I was like, okay, this person's definitely trying to rob me. Um, but pretty much using that discernment to get through the country. And hey, I made it back safely. My parents were stressed out. I definitely gave them headaches, but hey, 
it's all about living through experiences and growing up. I feel like growing up in New York, it made me feel like every stranger you see on the street is trying to rob you. Or not even trying to rob you, but they, they're they just some hecklers. Because like, you used to have dudes in it. Like, you've been to New York. Yeah. You know those dudes on the side of the street that either the dudes in the train talking about their basketball team and they're trying to sell candy or the dudes that are like, yo, help me raise money for this charity and they're sitting by a box. And they're like, it's, it's him and his two grown-ass friends sitting there talking about, can we do this charity for the youth and blah, 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 blah. And my cousin used to give money to him all the time. He's like, you know they're going to go to the club with that money. Right. I mean, people are, one thing I could say is I have respect for those people. Like, even though they're they're hustling. No, they hustle. You got to think about it. A lot of people can't do that. It's consistent. They doing it. And obviously it may be working. So it's like. um, They doing stats right there. They doing stats. So it's like being in different cities, catching different subway systems um, and seeing that type of interaction. I could say this. Wherever you go, hustlers don't change. Whether it be in Atlanta. Now, you know, Atlanta. I just came back from a trip, bro. In the moment, me and my friend landed in the airport, got the baggage claim. Somebody was already trying to hustle us. I was like, yep, I'm back in the city. Yeah, man. I'm trying to think. How Atlanta people hustle? Scammer. Other than, <laughs> well, yeah, you got you got your scammer, you got your water boys, but water boys are not really scammers. They yeah. just, they just you know, little billionaires. I mean, I think, uh, I think it's a good, I just wish for safety for the water boys. Um, yeah, they've been coming at them for a little while now. But I support years. the hustle. Like I, I listen. If I'm on the street, I'll give. I'll Bro, I'm telling you, Costco get the coconut pack of water for two dollars. You made your profit back already in three dollars. It's, it's plus the Costco card. Come on, and it's a part of our culture. Like it's a part of Atlanta culture. So I think growing up in Atlanta, growing up in a, you know, in our environment, especially being like a black mecca like this, you gotta, you really gotta hustle. Like. Atlanta, you can make it. Like, you can. You can make it out here. So, yeah. So, speaking of growth of Atlanta and the young generation specifically, you know, many people consider us old now. Uh, I have I have gray hairs, and I'm not really ashamed of them at all. It just means I'm a little wiser. But they've been there. But what would we tell our younger selves now? Being freshmen, I remember. So. To give you all some context, me and Edward met the first day we started undergrad here. Literally, you were riding a bike. You had a bike. Yeah. It was on West. It was on West Campus. West. It was by Woodruff. Yeah, Woodruff. Um, I transferred, and it was his freshman year. So, yeah, we've known each other like three, four years. It's been a minute. It's been three years, four years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But um, if I would go back and tell, dang, bro, this is a good question. If I would go back and tell myself something, um, I would say this. Be comfortable with who you are and don't shrink yourself to make other people comfy and always shine your light. And there's three components to that. So be comfortable with who you are. I feel like it's many times like throughout school, you have the clout chasers. You have you have the people who are at their status. You have those different things. And many times you may try to change who you are. You may have to you may have to change, try to change your image just to fit in with that click, just to fit in with that. You know, everyone wants to be seen. Everyone wants to be felt. But everyone who's seen isn't necessarily felt, y'all. 
So don't change who you are. Don't shrink to make other people comfy. Um, because if you have a light, if you're radiance, if people are naturally attracted to you, you're going to have people that's not going to like you just because of who you are. You're going to have people that's going to be like, I don't like Mario because Mario has his podcast. You know, what does he think he's doing with that little podcast? You're going to have those naysayers, right? But keep on doing it. Like Mario's podcast, it's amazing. Like the work that he's doing is amazing. So you can have those people that are going to try to distract you from your course, but you came to school for a reason. You came to school to make whatever goal you want to achieve happen. So keep that in mind and just be yourself. Like being yourself, being genuine, all that's going to pay off in the end. That's what I had to say to myself because there are many times with different orgs, different leadership positions where I felt like I had to be a chameleon and change. But now, um, my last semester, I realized, you know what? It's easier just to be myself. I'm soft-spoken. I'm laid back. It's just easy to be myself. Facts. I yeah. get that, too. Being in a laid-back position, like, if you saying because I'm laid-back as well, I always have that feeling of wanting to say something, but I don't really want to say it. Right. Or I have to be, if it takes, like, for me to become that person, I'm mad. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm heated. <laughs> it does take that point. I can say that. Like, it takes a lot for me to check someone. But then again, what I realized, when you're laid back, some people may think it's okay to, you know, do little slick stuff. But I would say this. Don't be afraid of confrontation. Always use wisdom. Like, get sound wisdom. Personally, I'm a Christian, so I pray, ask God to guide me with my decisions, but don't be scared to check people. If you don't feel like something's right in your spirit or something's right, listen, y'all, you have every right to set boundaries. That's ooh, ooh. That's important. Yeah, man. I'm telling you, like, the only reason, like, high school, I wasn't like this at all. My mouth was always open. Right. I, I felt like I could come to college. There's more people. I grew up in a class of 57, so to have college, I was just like, yeah, I could go sit in the shadows, do my thing. I mean, I haven't had experience with people checking me, but like, let somebody do it. Like, they don't know I'm the alphabetical gunslinger. <laughs> I'll jump <jealous> somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Man, so I heard him with his words. <laughs> but what what could I say to myself? Honestly, yeah, I had, and I still am taking time to learn how to at least have my voice heard. Or speak up, know when to speak up. Because I can, it's just more like either I don't feel like it or I don't think it's the time to. So just finding that urgency to feel the need to speak. Uh, time management was a big thing, one That's of those true. things. And I don't feel like being the record player all the time. But it's something that you're always going to have to think about moving forward. Because I, I got to see in health. And that was just because... One, I didn't like the section I was in. Right. And it was a outdoor recreation. I honestly wanted to do some actual health, some recreation, like running or go do some weight training. But this one was like, make a compass. Let's go rock climbing, guys. Like, let's, let's. So they had you like doing Let's go cook. Yeah, stuff? let's make a tent. And I was like, well, I'm going to wake up at 8 a.m. for this. What are you, like, Dora? And I, I had a girlfriend at the time, so I was obviously slacking. Oh. I was a freshman year, I was slacking. So. Yeah, oh, got man. I got that. See, I felt that one. It hurt. <sighs> yeah, yeah. First me is humbling. No, I definitely agree with you. Um, also, I would say this to go back. If I had something to say to my younger self, um, 
in terms of dating, date someone that speaks your language. Like, I think about half the girls that I talk to throughout undergrad or dated. And you really have to go back and think in terms of dating, it's more than a cute face. It's more than personality. You need to think about where their mental is. And I see a lot of I see like a lot of young fellas our age, a lot of young women get caught up in the wrong relationships. And it's like you could be so much further along. You could have that job. You could have that you could have anything you wanted, but you're getting held back by one relationship. So I would say this choose the people that choose you and that'll push you further into purpose. Whether that be a friendship, whether that be a relationship, you know, it's good to be around fun people, but make sure those people that you're having fun with are also pushing you further into where you want to go. I feel like a big thing is that a lot of people don't know where they want to go. They have a, a broad scope of where, but they don't really know the specifics. Yeah. So it's hard to tell if your trajectory is right or wrong. Well, I feel it's definitely the people that you put in your corner and the person that you choose as your significant other is very imperative. At our age, I just don't think it's rare to find someone who knows what they like in knowing a person, especially like personality-wise, how you guys communicate with each other. That's real, yeah. And it's kind of one of those things where I feel like saying at least let people find that answer on their own and take the time to explore and find that, but just avoid the bigger mistakes. Like, hey, don't get nobody pregnant. You don't want to. (laughs) Wear one. Rubber, that is. Yeah. And have consent. That's all we need here. And that's that's honestly true. I feel like with the... Dang, that's not old, but with the younger generation coming up, I think that point of having someone on campus, whether it be like an older brother, I think people mentorship is very important. Like I'm thankful for the older, the older um, people within BGT who really talk to me. Really, they just really poured into me as a person. I think that's really good. So if I see an underclassman, they have a question. Even as an RA, like, I could ask some crazy questions, y'all. But um, I would try to help out to the best of my ability to guide because it's not easy. Like, freshman year, I think about me as the person trying to find myself, reinvent myself, all these things. Like, I look back at it, and I'm just like, dang. Like, with the guidance I had, it really saved me a lot. <laughs> like, Do you remember what you was trying to be freshman year? You see, okay, I'm a so I'm a church boy. I grew up in church like all my life. Like very, I was very sheltered. So it's like going to school. It's like I wanted to go out. I wanted to do all these things. I wanted to reinvent myself. I wanted to put on this bad boy image. But there's really not who I am. It was like I was wearing church shoes to the club. Oh. <laughs> 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 Yeah, so, yeah. Um, and I think, I was like, well, I'm going to give me some sneakers for the club. Um, y'all, I got some black forces. <laughs> so, <it's, laughs> I look back at freshman year, I was trying to fit into something that wasn't meant for me. It was like still, even though I was like going out, going to parties and stuff, it was like I was still a prep kid at heart, still a church boy at heart. So, I was like, 
I had a hard time fitting in because I didn't fit in here, didn't fit in there. So I really had to um, find my way. And honestly, I'm still finding my way, still finding my crew of people. And it's a constant journey, but I can say I'm more secure in my identity and who I am because you don't have to fit in what everyone else is doing. Um, and that's just honest truth. It's not you. It's not you. And no matter what society tell you, if it's not you, then it's not you. You don't have to party. You don't have to go out or be in the mix all the time. If you're laid back home, body like to sleep. That's just you. I feel it. I was trying to be a do it all. Oh, be every, yeah. be there, do everything, know everyone. Then I slowly realized I didn't want everybody knowing me because then everybody was asking for favors. Especially as a freshman, if you oh everybody know you as a freshman, you popular. Run them swipes, yep. easily. Mill swipes, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Oh, I'm, I think I ran a few mill swipes with some freshmen, but <laughs> guilty of that. But um, I can say one thing that I realized is popularity. Let me ask you this: Is popularity overrated? Popularity is very well. It depends how you use it. If you're just popular to be popular, I. If you just want to tell me a lot of people know you, but if you can do something because a lot of people know you. Right. Like, other than flaunt to that group of people, like, you can make something happen. I honestly, I think coming into school, coming here, I think I had a hard time juggling. Honestly, I had a hard time juggling, like, being a transfer, it was like a long, it was really awkward, bro. Like, I'm going to be real with you. Being a transfer here was hard because everyone had their own cliques. Like, the challenge kids had their clique from my class. Everyone already knew each other for a year. So, I was like, coming in, I really had to find my way. And then, all of a sudden, people knew me, and I was just like, friends? Like, so, I feel like popularity is overrated um, because one moment you could be up and the next moment you could be down. So, it's just like, if you want to be more laid back, more chill, Nah, do that. I feel, subconsciously, I feel like I have a battle between a version of myself that strives to be like low key kind of popular, and then one really doesn't care. You just at least have to find your niche. I can say that's what ends up happening with people, because when you grow older, like doesn't matter who knows you. Like knowing everybody in the office means what. To some people, I guess it's all uh, relative. Absolutely. I I agree with you. And I think one thing about popularity is people have the desire to always be seen. And that's a thing of always being seen. What I realized is, you know, I did I did the e-boards. I did the, I did the events and everything. And I realized, this ain't me. <laughs> After a while, I was just like, it's good. But I was drained and I was like putting on a face where it's just kind of like, hi, guys. You know, I'm all happy and stuff, but I really wasn't feeling it. So taking a step back my senior year really gave me the time to realize if I'm if I know people, people know me. Why don't I make um, impact with my influence instead of just knowing people? It's okay to know people. But what if you were to connect a freshman with somebody in their major? Let's just say there's an Emmy major. And they're like, do you know any other Emmy? Wait, you're Emmy, right? Yeah. Okay, well, I just had to make sure. But a freshman may need a connection to an Emmy major. I'm like, yeah, I know Mario. You know, Mario's an Emmy major. There's stuff you can do with your popularity and your influence. Because, I mean, 
Zora Neale Houston got a um, quote, those that got it can't hide it, and those that got it can't show it. Something like that to that extent. But if you popping, you popping. How does one become popular? That's a good question. <sighs> Honestly, I think... At some... To me, at some point, they were doing their own thing. I think one aspect of popularity is being open-minded, being um, friendly. Because you do have people who are just really good-looking, but their personality's trash. They're popular based on their status. But when popularity is earned based on, I guess, genuine, genuine actions, goodness of heart, being friendly, always being a light, I think that's when popularity remains. But if you popular and you rude to people, yeah, you know. Yeah, you popping on the ground. Yeah, you have a lot of Twitter followers. But if your personality's trash, you're not going nowhere. Like, I realized that I would rather have, like, with falling back from different um, positions and different things, I would rather have more depth to my relationships than a bunch of surface-level relationships. Because at the end of the day, it's like, once you lose your popularity, once you lose that status, or once you graduate, those surface-level relationships, yeah, people know you, but those surface-level relationships, they're going to be done. But if you have relationships with depth, that you have communication with people, you talk to people, that's what's going to be sustainable. Exactly. And there's no hard feelings to them at all, because having a whole bunch of people around that you don't get, you don't have the bandwidth to reach to is a waste of your time in theirs. Absolutely, bro. Speak on it. Absolutely. Exactly. Let's tap into the book because that that's <laughs> let's round off everything with the book because that sounds like where everything is going. Hmm. I had, yeah, one part of the book you talked about nurturing true relationships and detoxing. Ooh. Okay. Ooh. <laughs> that's a deep subject right there. Um so I would say it's important to relationships are two-sided and I would say it's important to nurture your relationships. So find those people like, this is so funny. Like I made a quote, I made a post on Instagram about finding people who are purpose driven and cater to your purpose. Um, but finding those people who will push you and you push them. So it's not like one sided where you're doing the pushing or you need to find people where it's um, mutually beneficial. And when nurturing those relationships, nurturing those relationships, it's like going out to coffee, texting your friend. If you, your real friends will pick you up in spirit. If they know something's off with you, they're going to be like, hey, they know you. They know your habits. They know your patterns. They're be like, hey, you good? Like, I picked my sense that something's not right in your voice. You good? Like, I got friends, guys and girls, they can hear it in my voice. They're like, you good? You had a good day? You straight? You need to pray? You know, you need those people that are going to feel you in spirit. Because you can't do this journey on your own. Like, you you really can't. So, in nurturing those friendships, and it, um, with nurturing those friendships, you got to find people that speak your language. People with the same mindset. Um, like, I heard this growing up, but oil and water don't mix. So, if you know somebody, if you're trying to be progressive and somebody's slacking in your circle, I'm sorry, but how is this going to work out? That's going to slow you down. So, you got to find people that are pushing, people that are going. Or at whatever pace you want to go. Um, and to top it off with that, I will also say this one thing. It takes time to find that circle. You may not find it in one day. You may not find it in undergraduate. I honestly, I'm going to be real. 
I met some of my best friends on the road, not on campus. I met them at different events, different places. Some of the people that I've connected with, I've met them through other people. So it takes time. It takes years. Um, and hey, some things happen on accident. So I would say go explore, go meet different people. Because honestly, some people, some of the new people you may meet may be your friends for life. Yeah. That's one thing I could take from my time in Utah was that the friends I made were nothing like the people I know here at all. It was just a ragtag group of people. Like, I guess that's the whole melting pot aspect of it all. But truly, no, I guess the big part of communication, know where you stand with certain people, you might get along, but knowing to what extent will save you a lot of time mm-hmm. and effort. And especially if you are a very caring person in your relationship, so save you heartbreak as well. Oh my gosh, bro. Listen, that's what I was saying. Find relationships that pour in you because personally, I'm a giver. So, like, that's acts of service. That's my love language. So, I'm going to give, I'm going to make sure people straight. But what I realized, and I had to take a moment, I said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I've been giving, I've been pouring, but am I getting this back on the other end? You know, and after a while, takers, they're going to take until you drained. So in that section of the book, I was just talking about how you need to find people that pour back into you and show you love. Um, Because at the end of the day, if you're drained and you got a bunch of takers, what good is that going to do you? You're going to be stuck and they're going to move on with their lives. So you got to find people that it's like pour, take, pour, take. It's a mutual exchange where you guys can fill each other up. Yeah, I feel that. One of the biggest things I connected with in the Mm -hmm. book is I didn't know you went to a PWI. I would have never guessed it. Tech is a PWI, right? But like high school. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, let me tell you. So I grew up in South Georgia. Um, and honestly, until I went to majority black schools, elementary school, and my sixth grade year middle middle school. But because of... I guess my grades, I was always placed in all white classes. Like a lot of it was the black kids being placed in the white classes. Um, I guess higher caliber black kids being placed in the white classes. Then I went to a magnet school where it was a school within the school, but on one side you had the black students and in the magnet school, you had the white kids in advanced placement black kids. So I was in that part of it. And I think a lot of the confidence that I have today came from being humiliated, being humbled, going to being in a PWI making um PWI high school and being people making me feel less than. And that's where a lot of the confidence that people see today came from, honestly, because I had to build myself up when you have people knocking you down, when you have teachers, classmates, you know, you gotta build yourself up because no one else is gonna do it. Like yes, the people in the black community Yes, they do it. Um, And I'm thankful for my mentors and those people who are around me. But at the same time, when you're in that classroom by yourself, you're taking a test, people asking you a question, it's you and them. So it's really, you got to gas yourself up. And some people may say I was cocky. Um, And that's the other thing. When black men are confident, young black men are confident, people will try to tear them down. Like, they don't like... (laughs) Is what I realized is people don't like confident young black men. They'll call you cocky. They'll call you arrogant. 
But my biggest takeaway from my high school experience is knowing who I was and what I brought to the table and how valuable I was. And that's what I carry um, in everything that I do. I'm trying to think. What was it? Because I went to white schools from middle school, well, third grade onward. Mm-hmm. No, not third, fifth, fifth. So I don't, I don't know if it would have changed much of my demeanor, but I remember first being integrated in there. And it, I was never privy to the whole racial dynamic of it until I got down here. Mm. And, and that wasn't until seventh, sixth, seventh grade. And I just have, all, I guess it gave, it gave me a lot of fortitude, a lot of grit mm-hmm. in, an, in very different aspects because I wasn't swayed or provoked too much by like what they said or did. But it was the constant, it was the frequency at which it would come. In times of like words or slurs or like back in the comments, I really, I wouldn't put that on a lot of people, kids because like that's the environment they're around. And like I even have friends now that in some days back then would call me names and stuff. And it's just a testament to the ignorance around and just not knowing, not really knowing who the people are getting to know the culture and just taking from it. And I agree. Um, and I think about when I think about some of the experiences, like it, it was just plain ignorance. Yeah. There's no other way to describe it. But when I think I really hope that this next generation, our generation with those people, some of those people want to become different professions. And I just really hope that college changed them, opened up their mind because if we look, that's going to be passed on. I'm a strong believer that some things are taught because growing up yeah. in, even though I was in black environments, mostly black environments, um, because of my grades, I was also placed in um, gifted classes with majority white people. So it, it was like a shift in the third and fourth grade where I realized, oh, wow, they're not playing with me anymore. But that was because somebody told them to. And it was more... When I started to grow in height, what I realized, it was no more like, oh, you're, you know, Edward the smart little, you know, no. It was more of, oh, he's threatening, you know. So it's the shift. And when I have kids, you know, they're going to see that. Hopefully they don't. The world gets better. But for young black boys and girls, it's not easy going into academia, especially going into STEM. We, yeah. know, we know this. Like, we, yeah. Yeah. we've thugged it out. So we, we pretty much know how it is. One thing I've thought about, like, once I grow up, have kids, and at least teach them how to walk on this earth, is that I kind of want to develop a philosophy around them to, almost as my parents raised me, but to understand each other as humans. We all walk on this earth. Uh, One thing I really want to get them to understand is, like, anybody can show you love and anybody can cross you. Mm. It doesn't really matter who they are, but learn how to read people like i said discern who who really loves you and who really doesn't care and is just out there to get what you have bro that's real yeah no that's that is so real um 
That was a gem. You need to write that down. That was definitely a gem. We gonna go out with this gem. Uh, how were your experiences here? Like, how was the transition here? Oh, honestly, coming to PWI and it's the same as high school, but a bigger level. I've had my ups and downs, um, but I thank God I've had a majority ups here. But I think everyone at Tech um, has their individual struggles. And I, Lord knows I've had mine um, while here on campus. But it's been majority good. But I would say there have been times in labs where people will question my intelligence or I have to work by myself simply because I'm the only black male in the class. And people look and it's like, I'm honestly a gentle giant, but it's like 6'3". I'm a gentle giant, but it's like people are looking like, oh, we don't want to work with him. So having those in different microaggressions, like, do you know what this is? I'm just like, yeah, like <laughs> I did the homework. So um, those experiences really taught me to affirm myself, build myself up in confidence, but also take it with a grain of salt because it's also ignorance is what people are taught. And people, if they're not taught new things, then they're going to continue that same cycle. Yeah. I chose to forgive on a lot of the, like, even going on now, I usually choose to forgive a lot. Just because I know one thing I watched in the video, I forgot this guy's name, but, like, a good 70, 80% of the stuff that we talk about and we say, forget so I can't, I'm not going to get hung up on what somebody said to me when I can go back to them. Even if I did have the chance to go back to them and explicitly tell them what they're talking about, they might not even remember, really. Especially, like, little back in the comments, because who knows how many times they throw these out in the day. So, like, it's, it's just one of the many decisions you have to make in the day to make sure you have a good day. And now one major thing I'm starting to learn as you get older is like really take care of what you intake into your mental, not just what you want to see, like challenge yourself, see what you want to see, see what you don't want to see. But the biggest thing is, is don't let, don't get hung up on things and let them ruin your day. Cause you realize that your day, you see, you can say you have a bad day when really only one thing happened and you just oh, chose exactly. to get hung up on it and not worry about what else you had going on for you. Bro, ex you real. No, exactly. You got to clear your mental um, and really filter what you're being fed. So it's like, there are honestly certain words on Twitter that I mute out. There are certain things, certain conversations, but I don't want to have it. My phone goes on, do not disturb. Some people are muted. And that's, you know, even with social media, if you don't want to see some people's content, mute it. There are different things you got to block out. So that's real. But Edward, it's been a great conversation, yeah. bro. Thank you for having me. And thank for you. Sure. It's been, it's Where can people honor. find you at? All right. So y'all can find me on Insta at I am Edward Freeman. Um, LinkedIn, I'm Edward Freeman. Twitter, same thing, Edward Freeman underscore. Um, everything is on my Insta, so feel free to reach out, hit me up for advice or anything y'all may need. I'm out here. Go buy his book, Standing, right now at your <laughs> local bookstore. If it's not local, it's online, I promise you. But anyways, this has been another episode of OM. If you like what you hear, you resonate with any ideas we shared today, 
leave a like if you can share review let me know your thoughts so we can bring better content to you guys and help grow this community without further ado see you guys soon